This Christmas season, we sent one of our own to do something he has never done before. Gift wrap presents for unsuspecting and innocent people. Here's how it went. Free gift wrapping. Free gift wrapping, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm a professional. A professional. Professional, yeah. Oh, no, no, can you hold that real quick? Thank you, it just needs a little bit more. Okay, I don't on. think I've ever just, had anything just, wrapped this way. This is just a little bit of it though. I'm gonna put a little bit more on, okay? <laughs> don't you worry. No, 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 don't you worry. Listen, listen, I got this. I got this. You need gift wrapped? Yeah. What's your sister's name? Um, Martha. Marty. Marty? Uh, no, Martha. Martha. Mar T-H. Marty. Oh, sorry about that. Sorry. <laughs> she be like, we gotta redo that. She won't know what it is. Yep. Tell her it's an Xbox. I've been doing rapping for about a couple years now. Okay. I feel very spectacular at that. Could you maybe help with this one too a little bit? Here you go, ma'am. If you want you. some tape, there you go. Cool. Just a quick water break. If you want to, you can do a little bit of the rapping as well. Oh, yeah? I'm kind of in the master rapping league. You're in the master? Mm -hmm. What is this? It's a birthday one. Who do I have that's a birthday? No, uh, no I gotta have a Christmas here, 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 I got, I got, I got this. I got this. There we go. <laughs> it's like this. All right. I think we need some more, honestly. <laughs> if you wanna put a little bit more on that. I wanna. Maybe. Maybe. Oh. Paper. You guys wanna, you guys wanna gift wrap? Oh, okay, maybe in a bit. I do a phenomenal job. Thank you. Oh, no, no, you can just... What? Thank you. Yep. Mm -hmm. Thank you. This is part of the technique. Where are you from? Germany. Germany? Yeah. Do you wrap presents like this in Germany? Nope. No? Well, we... I like it. How does this look? How do you feel about that? A little interesting? Interesting. Very interesting. I'm sorry. I think we got to restart that. Here, you know what? here, I think you we got it. We just take this with us? I think, no, now I, we're I think, out of time. I think that's a bad, that's, well, listen, I, I could do it, I could do it. <laughs> this way, it's incognito. They won't know what's inside of it. I can't believe what I have here. This is spectacular. They'll never know what it is. <laughs> yes, of course, ma'am, you take care. the best wrapping job I've ever had done. I, I, I'm done, I, I, I retire, I, I can't do this anymore. You should film this and put it somewhere. We are filming. We're filming now? Yeah. So I'm on camera? Yeah, there's a camera in there, there's a camera over there. No, no, just kidding, wait, wait, come back. Okay, so, look, camera, camera. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you can come back real quick, wait, wait. That was for, it's for a video. Oh. You, can, you can come back. Do you actually want me to wrap those? I can wrap them actually. I don't know why they didn't ask me to wrap the gifts. I mean, come on, jingle bam. Merry Christmas, everyone. I don't know if you've heard about the couple. They were about 60 years of age and they were on an unseasonably warm December afternoon out working in their yard. All of a sudden they discovered a bottle, had a cork in it and they pulled it out and sure enough, a genie came out. Well, they heard about this in jokes and stories but they had never seen anything like this before. The genie said, I will grant each of you an early Christmas present, whatever you want. 
Well, the woman thought about it and she said, man alive, do you know what I want? I've lived in this house ever since we got married for three and a half decades. She said, I'd love to live in a mansion. The genie said, well, no problem. And poof, just like that, the house that they were living in was just immaculate. It was humongous. It was beautiful. The landscaping was incredible. She said, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. Thank you so much. Well, the genie looked at the 60-year-old man and said, and what would you like? Well, he was kind of staring back at his wife. And genie said again, well, what do you want? He said, well, I, I don't know if you can give it to me. He said, oh, sure, I can give you anything that you want. What do you want? He noticed he was a safe distance from his wife, and he said, well, I've always wanted to be married to a woman 30 years younger than me. The genie said, your wish is my command, and poof, just like that, he was 90 years old. Some of you need to explain that one to the other people in the room. Well, today I want to talk to you about the ultimate Christmas present that's ever been given. And of course, that present is Jesus. The Bible says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quinarius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Friends, the greatest gift that's ever been given to you and to me is that God so loved us that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him and trusts in him and clings to him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. This truth should absolutely blow every one of us away. The God of the universe, creator of the heavens and the earth knows who you are and cares about your life and he wants to have a relationship with you. Now this makes no sense to me at all. We are so small living on such a small planet in the midst of billions of other galaxies. And yet the Bible teaches that he knows when we get up, he knows when we lie down, his thoughts of us outnumber the grain of sands on the seashore. The Bible says that he's collected every tear that you've ever cried. Now, why does God care for us like this? We aren't big, we aren't powerful, and our lives are brief. We're here today and gone tomorrow. Think about this. A hundred years from now, most people won't even know that you ever even existed. Merry Christmas. Isn't that a wonderful thought? Not only that, but we sin against God all the time. We say things we shouldn't say. We do things we shouldn't do. We ignore God for the most part and just do whatever it is that we want to do. And of course, all of this leaves us empty. We know from the scriptures that God is holy. He can't stand sin, but we sure can. We tell a little white why to get out of trouble. We share a juicy piece of gossip about someone because we just can't keep it to ourselves. And our, and our words, our words have wounded more people than we can count. We have addictions and habits and behaviors that are absolutely destroying everything we say we love in this life. Let's face it, we sin all the time. And the Bible says our sin has made us an enemy with God. Did you know that? We're enemies with God. 
Colossians 1.21 says, once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he's reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. Now, what in the world does that verse mean? It means that our sin separated us from a holy God and our sin made us God's enemy. Now, here's the bummer. There was nothing we could do in and of ourselves to change our situation. There was nothing that we could do to make peace with God. Now, you understand that, don't you? Unfortunately, a lot of people don't. A lot of people still think they could be made right with God by the things that they do. Most people still think that one day they're going to go to heaven because they were good people. In the New York Times interview with New York City's former mayor, Michael Bloomberg, at the time, Bloomberg was 72 years old. He was being interviewed just before his 50th college reunion. Bloomberg talked about how sobering it was to realize how many of his classmates had passed away. But the journalist, Jeremy Peters, observed that Bloomberg didn't seem too worried about what waited for him on the other side. This is what he wrote. But if Bloomberg senses he may not have as much time left as he would like, he has little doubt about what it would await him at a judgment day. Pointing to his work on gun safety, obesity, and smoking cessation, he said with a grin, I'm telling you if there's a God when I get to heaven, I'm not stopping to be interviewed. I'm heading straight in. I've earned my place in heaven. It's not even close. Now here's the sad truth. If you think you're going to heaven because of your good deeds, you won't even get close to that front gate because you and I aren't that good. The Bible says you and I can't earn our way into heaven. The Bible says that the best we can do is but filthy rags compared to the holiness of God. Bottom line, our best isn't good enough. And isn't it funny how we blow out of proportion how good we are and we minimize how bad we are? Kyle Eidemann shares the story of a time when he was with his wife at a restaurant. They were eating and a woman came up to their table. She was in her late 50s. She came over and she introduced herself. She began to tell her story of how she had recently become a follower of Jesus. She pointed out her husband across the way and she said, now he's not too excited about my decision to follow Christ. Well, Kyle smiled and he waved at him. The gentleman waved back, but he didn't smile. Kyle went over and introduced himself and they chatted for a minute or two. Next day, Kyle followed up with an email to both of them saying it was good to meet them and to let them know if they had any questions about Jesus that he was available to help them any way that he could. He didn't hear anything back for a couple of months and then one day, Kyle was sitting at his desk. He got an email from the husband. He told Kyle about the changes he had seen in his wife. She was kinder and more patient. She seemed more joyful. But instead of being excited about these changes, he was skeptical. Here's a line from his email that he wrote to Kyle. He said, she seems much happier now, but I think she's just trying to get me to drink the Kool-Aid. Kyle emailed him back, asked if he'd come to church with his wife and visit with him for a few minutes after a service. So they sat in a small room and Kyle began to tell him about how Jesus had died on the cross for his sins and how Jesus rose again from the dead. He began with Romans 3.23 and made the point that all have sinned and all have fallen short of God's standard. Immediately, the man became defensive. He said, I'm not that bad. Most people would consider me a good man. He thought it was unfair to be called a sinner and be judged by God's standard. He said, how fair is it to set a standard that no one can meet and then say everyone's a sinner? It's like setting up a target that's out of range and then blaming the shooter for not being able to hit it. 
Well, Kyle started his attempt at a theological explanation of why we were sinners, but the man's wife interrupted him and asked if she could say something. She turned toward her husband and said, do you think it's okay to get drunk and yell at your spouse? Do you think it's okay to lie about your sales numbers? Do you think it's okay to tell your grandson you'll be at his game and then not show up? And she asked three or four more personal questions. His answers to these questions were obvious. Then she said, you say it's not fair to be held to God's standard, but you fall short of your own standards. He looked at his wife and he said, I never thought of it that way. Friends, we work hard at convincing ourselves and others that we aren't that bad, but the truth is we're much worse than we've ever imagined. Our sin made us an enemy of God. Now I want you to think about this. What's the nicest thing you've ever done for one of your enemies? Probably the nicest thing you ever did was you prayed for them. You probably prayed, don't let all their hair fall out in a day. Do it, Lord, over the course of a month. Let the hair fall off their head and then grow where no hair has grown before. Oh God, don't kill them. Just give them hemorrhoids, right? <laughs> While we were still enemies with God with no hope of changing our situation, God sent Jesus into our world. Jesus lived a perfect sinless life and then for six hours one Friday, he hung on a cross paying the sin debt that we owe to holy God. Now you think about that. God hates sin so much that he has his only son crucified so we might be forgiven. And God didn't kill him quick, did he? He killed him slow. Now to understand how mind-blowing this is, you have to understand how much God hates sin. God is a holy God. He hates how we hurt each other and lie to each other and abuse each other. And God is just. He can't allow sin to go unpunished. But here's the crazy thing. Rather than punishing you and me, he punished his son. Now, who in the world would do that? Colombian rebels kidnapped Edward Leonard back in 1998. He was held captive for 106 days. The rebels wanted a half a million dollars for his release. One day, the owner of the company he worked for, a guy by the name of Norbert Reinhardt, exchanged himself for his employee, and Edwards was stunned. Mr. Reinhardt had a wife and two sons. He, he was held for $2 million ransom. Later, after he was released, they asked him, why in the world did you do it? He said, I felt a sense of responsibility. The only way to get Ed out was to take his place. But did you notice that he didn't offer his son? If you're a parent, you understand. It'd be much easier to offer your life, wouldn't it, than to offer your child's life? I don't think we can ever fully understand how much it must have hurt the heart of God to offer his only son to die in our place for our sin. If someone was taking your child to be executed, wouldn't you beg? Let me die in their place. Take me instead to give up your son so that we might live as a depth of love that I don't fully understand or grasp. Roger Rose tells this story. When he was a boy more than 60 years ago, his young brother was fatally injured in a tragic accident. A dirt road ran alongside their house and on a rare occasion, there'd be a car on it. But one day as his brother was crossing on his bike, a car just came roaring over the hill and he was run over and he was killed. Mr. Rose said, later when my dad picked up the mangled, twisted bike, I heard him sob out loud for the first time in my life. He carried it to the barn and placed it in a spot we seldom use. He said, my dad's terrible sorrow eased with the passing of time. But for many years, whenever he saw that bike, tears began streaming down his face. Since then, Roger said he often prayed, Lord, keep the memory of your death that fresh in me 
every time I remember what you did for me. Max Lucado writes that it wasn't right that spikes pierced the hands that formed the earth and it wasn't right that the Son of God was forced to hear the silence of God. It wasn't right, but it happened. For while Jesus was on the cross, God sat on his hands. He turned his back. He ignored the screams of the innocent. He sat in silence while the sins of the world were placed upon his son. He heard his son scream, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Was it right? No. Was it fair? No. Was it love? Yes. God loved us so much that he gave his best, his son. Jesus died and took our place so we could be forgiven and no longer be an enemy of God, but now we can be made children of God. Isaiah says, though your sins are as red as crimson, he will wash them as white as snow. I read about a ministry called Scarlet Hope. It's where Christian ladies seek to reach out to a number of broken ladies in their community who are involved in the adult entertainment industry. A pastor who heads up that ministry had a bunch of the ladies over for Christmas dinner. Some of the ladies had given their lives to Jesus and had hung up their dancing shoes. But some of the girls at the Christmas table were thinking about doing the same thing. Well, they all sat down for the Christmas meal. A couple of girls seemed a little bit uncomfortable. They had never been to a Christmas dinner before, but soon the sound of laughter kind of filled the room. One of the girls was apprehensive about even coming to the dinner. She told her friend that she thought she might skip it. Her friend asked her why. She said, well, the only Christians I've ever seen were the people across the street from the strip club calling me a whore and telling me that I was headed for hell. Her friend said, you don't need to worry about that happening. This will be very different. Well, at the end of the dinner, the pastor gave a brief devotional about the true meaning of Christmas, and then he prayed. He prayed, Lord, I wanna thank you for a wife who allows me to invite dozens of women over to the home for dinner. And the group of girls responded with some amens. And then quickly, one of the young women yelled out, stripper girls at that. And everyone laughed. But as soon as the pastor ended his prayer, one of the other girls, who's now a committed Christian, blurted out, we're not stripper girls anymore. The Bible says we're a new creation. This is what I once was, but I'm not that anymore. Did you know that Jesus wants to take you from what you once were to what you can be? If we're honest, we're the people who have gone into deep debt to keep up appearances. We're the people who look down on others who are different. We're the people who work 50 plus hours a week trying to prove our worth. We're the people with holes punching our walls and doors unhinged from slamming. We're the people who spend hours a day on social media trying to convince people that our lives are better than they are. We're sinners in desperate need of a savior. And oh, what a savior we have in Jesus. He knows all about your sin and still loved you enough to die in your place. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, our God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. God wants to wipe our sin slate clean. He wants to throw your sin as far as the east is from the west. He not only wants to forgive you of your sin, but he will also forget about your sin and not use it to throw in your face. His forgiveness for you and for me is unlimited, but you have to ask him for it. You have to admit, God, I've blown it. I knew what path you wanted me to walk on and, and you know as well that I didn't walk that path. I walked a different path. I did my own thing. 
I snubbed my nose at you. I, I went the opposite direction of what you would have me to do. And I'm sorry about that. I don't want to live like that anymore. I want to live for you. Would you please forgive me and let me start all over again? Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, you can start all over again. You can change from being an enemy of God to being God's child. John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. You could start over. He's for you. He came for you. He died for you. And he rose again, conquering death in the grave. He wants to wipe your slate clean. And he wants to give you the second chance that you've waited your whole life for. Will you take it this Christmas? Will you finally take the gift of eternal life? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the friends who are watching right now who feel that emptiness inside. They feel the weight that sin has, has done damage to them. And Lord, I pray that we would come to our senses and we would realize that you are a God who loves us in spite of us that you can take our sin and throw it as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I pray that we would confess our sin to you. And Lord, that you would forgive us. And Lord, we would move from being your enemy to being your child. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to talk to one of our pastors about what it is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we would love to have that conversation with you. You can call us or you can text us at 505-922-9200. We're standing by. We'll help you any way we possibly can with any spiritual decision that you would like to make. So don't delay. This Christmas, accept the greatest gift that's ever been given, the gift of forgiveness, the gift of love that's only found in Jesus.